Hi, this is DebtWire Managing Editor Andrew Ragsley. Welcome to the latest edition of our DebtWired podcast. This episode features the return of Jeffrey Stevenson, Managing Partner at VSS. When we last spoke to Jeffrey, it was November 2020. It was our inaugural episode of the DebtWired series. And our main topic back then was growth of the private debt market and the structured capital trends that were cropping up as a result of consolidation in the banking industry. This go around, Deputy Editor Reshmi Basu engages Jeffrey in a discussion over how investment strategies at VSS have changed over the last year, how the infrastructure bill will impact strategy, what is the investment climate for lower middle market transactions given price inflation and high multiples. Conversation also hits on growth opportunities in AEC, that is the architecture, engineer, and construction sector. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you, Rashmi. It's almost been two years since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. What new challenges did 2021 bring for VSS versus 2020? How did your investment strategy change from the beginning of 2021 to now? Well, um, you know, interesting question. Certainly been a uh, an incredibly unusual uh, period, but I'd say in general, uh, we've managed through the challenges very well. Uh, some of the obvious things I'd say are that just with the challenges associated with remote working and the really the the impact that that's had on on teamwork, uh, which is in, in many respects hard to know exactly what that impact is and uh, what the implications of that are. But we try to. Uh, work together as much as possible. People are coming into the office, although not as frequently as beforehand. But I'd say that there's some, you know, there's some underlying challenges there. The workload has much been has been much busier, so having team interaction uh, is critically important. Uh, from a from a due diligence standpoint, uh, the probably the biggest thing has to do with uh, projections and uh, all of the uncertainty we're currently experiencing and how that's going to play out over a five-year projection period. And uh, a lot of the the processes that, that we're in, um, they're always uh, COVID adjustments. And, and sometimes the bankers take a, a lot of liberties with those COVID adjustments. So understanding how those COVID adjustments will play out in the future in those projections has presented its own set of uh, challenges. I think in terms of our strategy, our strategy is really fundamentally the same. It's not changed. We still focus on the same sectors, which are growth-oriented sectors in healthcare and education and tech-enabled business services. They tend to be resilient in terms of economic cycles, high cash flow businesses, uh, lots of fragmentation. Uh, to the extent that there have been any change in the strategy, I'd say it's more around the margin where uh, in order to uh, address the higher multiples that we have in the environment, we've been doing smaller deals and focusing more on roll-ups and building businesses through the process of making uh, add-on acquisitions. And then uh, we have expanded within uh, certain of those broader sectors, such as healthcare, where we have historically done more IT, healthcare IT, and we've expanded more into healthcare services. And the same is true in some of the business service sectors. 
So how have multiples in the industry changed over the last year? Has Fed policy or like tight labor markets inflated pricing in the market? Uh, no question. Multiples are much, much higher. And uh, I think that the way that the Fed policy has impacted that is really uh, via the stock market because the market is so much higher and the private equity derives a lot of its funding from um, alloc- from allocations that are derived from a percentage of total assets. So in other words, a pension fund, if it has uh, 10 to 12% allocated to private equity, if it's total assets, which are mostly going to be then in the public markets, rise significantly as obviously the public markets have risen, then that means that percentage will imply much, much uh, greater uh, dollar allocation to private equity. And then the holding periods have been much shorter. Um, and as a result, those funds are coming back. So as you're constantly chasing that allocation, so more and more um, capital has come into the private equity market as a result of that. And, you know, with that you know, supply of capital, you know, that's had, you know, that had implications in terms of the multiples that are out there. How would you then characterize the 2021 investment climate for lower middle market transactions? I mean, has price inflation impacted the segment? The lower middle market has been at, impacted like uh, so much of the of the deal market. Prices are higher. I'd also say that, you know, volume is up. We're seeing a lot more deals ourselves. We've seen over 500 deals uh, so far this year alone. I'd say the other aspects of it is that we're seeing a much, the, the, the processes tend to be much shorter uh, the ones that are conducted by the banks, and they seem to be going out to a narrower field. Uh, so there's more pre-qualification, if you will, whereas in the past, a process might typically have gone out to more players. In order to shorten the process, they're, they're going to fewer and more qualified uh, groups. So having relationships with some of those boutique banks, as we do, is, has been important to be able to see the deals in the first place. And I'd say the other thing that we've observed is that just given the robust nature of the marketplace, um, there's a pretty big gap between what people are willing to put in in terms of their first round bid relative to what to where they might end up from a valuation standpoint. So there's, I'd say, more, more gamesmanship, if you will, in terms of that first round valuation. And that's changes some of the dynamics of, of a typical process. So what new players have entered the lower middle market? Have you seen an explosion of new credit funds? Who is investing in this space and why? There, there are a lot of new players, and that's uh, mostly because you've seen new fund formations and new funds, successor funds that have been raised. And Investors like the asset class because of the yield uh, compared to a extremely low interest rate environment and the alternatives that they have. If you can generate uh, much higher yields by going into a credit fund, that's you know that's naturally attractive. Uh, so we've seen new players as as a result of that interest and in investors looking for yield oriented uh, vehicles. Uh, our strategy tends to be a hybrid, so we're a combination of debt and equity. So we still haven't seen many players who are exactly like us. Most of the new players that have come in the marketplace 
are more pure debt oriented or have just uh, a small sprinkling of equity. And they also tend to focus on sponsor deals, whereas most of our deals are non-sponsored. What type of covenants are you seeking in the deals that you do? And is there a market concern that so many deals are now covenant light? So there's, there's in the marketplace in general, there's, as, as there's been more competition and there are more players chasing these deals, the natural tendency is to not only lower rates, but to, to loosen those covenants. So we are seeing a higher level of covenant light deals. For us, it's uh, about the same uh, as it's been in the past. Uh, we focus primarily on a on a debt to EBITDA covenant. And of course, because we're a hybrid fund and we're doing both debt and equity uh, on the equity side, our interests are very much aligned with management and, and the uh, majority ownership if we're in a minority position. Um, but I'd say as a general statement, we're definitely seeing more covenant-like deals. How concerned are you about leverage in the lower middle market space? What are some of the top factors that could present a tipping point for a business that carries a lot of leverage? Well, leverage is higher, but it really depends upon the sector and, and the business model. If the sector is resilient and the business model consists of a lot of recurring revenue, then, then that business can handle uh, more leverage. The, the issue really is that um, uh, is the covenants, if leverage is high, Covenants can be tight uh, if there are covenants, and it doesn't take much to trip a covenant in an environment where you have the risk of, of surprises. And in the current environment, um, you don't really know exactly what's around the corner. Um, of course, you never do, but in this environment, perhaps more so, you know, you've got all of the unexpected issues that are out there and what the impact is going to be on the overall economy and then and then more specifically on the company itself. So I'd say that there's a lot more of a lot more importance placed on a company's pipeline and the leading indicators in terms of its sales and how that will ultimately translate into revenue and EBITDA and therefore the the covenants. And as an investor in the tech growth sector, how does the US infrastructure bill benefit your strategy? And what type of industries is VSS targeting? So the infrastructure bill, of course, would would uh, would imply roads and bridges and things of that nature. But it also uh, has a significant component that relates to digital. So, for example, data centers and um, other uh, forms of connectivity. And that's an area that we've invested a lot in. We've had a number of uh, companies that uh, are in uh, cloud services. Uh, we have a company recently, uh, two companies actually, uh, that are in the cloud services business and, and also um, a data center uh, company. So that's going to create some um, some additional tailwinds. Of course, you know, more and more it's been moving to the cloud anyhow, but the infrastructure bill will just help accelerate that. Does the stalemate in politics impact your investment strategy? Doesn't impact our investment strategy per se, but the uh, issue that that I see is that it creates uncertainty because uh, if you don't know where the tax law is going, then that can change how you structure deals. You know, for example, in the last tax reform, we converted many of our companies to 
from LLCs to C-Corps or the newly formed businesses were uh, with C-Corps or so-called LLCs where you check the box and you're taxed as a corporation. Uh, so, uh, the, the uncertainty doesn't help, uh, we work around it. Um, but I'd say that's really the, the main issue for us. How has deal making evolved after two pandemic years and what permanent changes do you see? Well, the, uh, just, to, you know, state the obvious, uh, there's the, you know, there's much less in person, uh, than there was in the past, but the flip side of that is that there's also, the same time, more interaction. So for example, uh, whereas in the past, you know, we would typically have four in-person board meetings a year. Now that might be two in person and two by zoom, but our interaction with the company management has increased to the point where we're talking to them more on a weekly basis, or even in some cases, a daily basis. Uh, And, I think that's enhanced by uh, by by Zoom and and uh, things like that, uh, where you can actually have much more interaction and not necessarily feel like you've got to get on a plane and do it all in person. VSS just invested in a new platform, HFW, which pursues uh, M and A opportunities in the AEC or architecture, engineer, and construction sector. What growth ex- expectations do you have for the AEC sector and how does it fit into VSS traditional set of target industries? Well, it, it fits in in uh, the sense that it's a, uh, it's a roll up of a, a professional services business in a highly fragmented market uh, where we're able to buy smaller, uh, particularly uh, engineering services firms at relatively low multiples and create a, an entity of size, you know, from a more of a, a serve market or end market uh, standpoint, uh, we like the industry because it's got high levels of recurring revenue. You know, there's the obvious tailwinds that are created by the infrastructure bill, but there's a lot of um, uh, recurring nature to this business because you've got constant uh infrastructure investment that's that's going on so we uh we backed uh three individuals who come out of the industry um, uh, from an operation standpoint we've all already completed our first acquisition we've got number two and number three that we should close on in the next month and uh our goal is to is to is to is to be a player in the industry and to um, be a platform uh, to roll up other smaller firms. We also think that it's relatively early innings in terms of private equity getting into a consolidation play in this, in this market. Jeffrey, thank you so much for being here with us and providing insight into the middle market space. Great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Also check us out on the Wistia platform.